Kia ora Nicola and you're with Midday Report. Te Purongo o Te Pautitanga with me, Charlotte Cook. It's now time for the Rural News with Sally Murphy. Kia ora, Sally. And a farm in the Mackenzie Basin could become home to the country's largest solar farm. Kia ora, Charlotte. That's right. Far North Solar Farm wants to install enough solar panels to power 100,000 homes on 670 hectares of land that's currently used for dairy farming. Resource consent has been sought from the Canterbury Regional Council and Mackenzie District Council and the consent was publicly notified this week. Far North Solar Director Richard Homewood says the company chose the farmland for its prime location. We're building a 420 megawatt solar farm in the basin that that connects into a power line that runs south down to Benmore and up through the HVDC and powers the North Island and then it runs north to Christchurch so it's one of the most probably significant power lines in the South Island that we're connecting into, and it'll be the largest solar farm in New Zealand. We're also building an 89-hectare ecological drylands reserve on the site as well to harbour endangered species and make the most of the ecological opportunity in the Mackenzie. Just last month, consent to build a solar farm at nearby Balmoral Station was declined due to the potential effects on the area known to be ecologically significant. Richard Homewood says the company has done its due diligence with this site. The site that we've got, there's very little ecology left. Uh, I mean, I, we've had a lot of ecologists obviously go through the site and, and a lot of other stakeholders. We've done, run quite an engagement process already with all the key stakeholders and, and the feedback has always been there doesn't seem to be anything left other than exotic grasses. The Environmental Defence Society submitted against the last solar farm planned for the Mackenzie Basin. Chief Executive Gary Taylor says solar farms will be vital to grow the country's renewable energy in the next few decades, but they just need to be in the right place. He says more information is needed on this latest plan. Well, the Mackenzie country is a very sensitive environment, of course. It's an intermontane basin surrounded by hills. It's at high, high altitude, so it runs some 700 to 900 metres above sea level. It's very dry, arid, and it has outstanding landscape and ecological values. So any development in the basin has to be assessed very carefully before it should be allowed to proceed. That's Gary Taylor. Damien O'Connor, who has served as Minister of Agriculture for the last six years, isn't Labour's spokesperson for the portfolio. In announcing Labour's shadow cabinet this morning, leader Chris Hipkins announced Jo Luxon is now spokesperson of agriculture. She'll also be spokesperson for biosecurity and rural communities. Damien O'Connor, who's now 18th on the party list, is spokesperson for trade and associate spokesperson for foreign affairs and transport. Almost every region across Aotearoa has at least one contaminant in its fresh waterways that exceeds current legal targets. The new Our Land and Water research out this morning looked at 2020 levels of phosphorus, nitrogen, E. coli and sediment in the country's lakes, rivers and estuaries and found some regions need to reduce contaminant levels by as much as 60%. Nitrogen was particularly high in Southland and Canterbury due to intensive agriculture. Chief Scientist Richard McDowell says landowners should try and bring down levels of excess, excessive contaminants so they don't filter down into the freshwater catchments. So where you cannot mitigate and have to do some land use change, um, which is roughly 10% just for the nitrogen and phosphorus bottom lines um, of agricultural catchments, um, you would see you know, decreases in probably the livestock industries, 
but commensurate increases in forestry, arable and horticulture. Um, and the net difference, I, when you take losses and benefits in terms of costs, probably be around $514 million in terms of a loss. So it's about you know, putting the right enterprise, whether it be horticulture or arable, forestry or indeed livestock in the right place, I matching it up to where you know, the land can act as a buffer potentially. But he says without the endless mahi by farmers to improve water quality, things would be much worse. We have made progress, despite some opinions. And indeed, if the actions that basically farmers, if they hadn't been doing what they've been doing for the last 20 years, our national loads of nitrogen and phosphorus would look roughly 50 to 90% larger than they are today. The study's authors urged the new government not to replace the national policy statement for freshwater management, something it's committed to doing. Industry transformation plans underway for the agri-tech, fishing and forestry sectors are set to be slashed. The new national-led government has released its to-do list for its first 100 days. Stopping work on the plans is on that list. Agri-tech New Zealand Chief Executive Brendan O'Connell says a huge amount of work has gone into the agri-tech plan since it was launched back in 2020. So we're disappointed that some good work and relationships that have been established over the last while um, need to go through some adjustments. We do understand the drive, I guess, for a reduction in public spending. We just see that ITPs were a really important interface between industry and government. And a lot of work in that space is in particular areas that need continued momentum, such as you know international opportunities and relationships for our tech businesses. That's Brendan O'Connell. A Hawke's Bay farmer who educates people about rural life on social media wants to turn her woolshed into an interactive education space. Sally Newell, a bull farmer in Patoka, runs the Kiwi Country Kids Facebook page where she shares how to care for animals and the environment. But she's hoping to take it one step further by running courses in her farm's woolshed. My sort of big dream is to be able to host classes of school kids um, ideally primary school age kids because there's a bit of stuff out there for um, teenagers and sort of secondary school age children but I really think we need to be getting primary school age kids on farms um, and connected with food production and connected with the land and the environment. Sally Newell is looking at how she can source funding to make her dream a reality and that's the Rural News for today.